0: It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. You had time to waste, and I'm not sorry. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth as well as the music of today. So, kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Yeah, simple, simple, simple. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts All
1: right, everybody, welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast to a uh, special bonus podcast. Chris is sitting this one out this week because uh, he is not a fan of the band Def Leppard, and that's okay. I still love him anyway um but i don't (laughs) (laughs) but i do have uh someone that uh loves them probably as much or or probably more than me um it's uh it's my friend carson from uh from carson on air carson how are you doing
0: i am great thank you for having me because anytime i get to talk about deaf leopard is a good day
1: i know as i look behind you i see a guitar with the union jack
0: you do, and there's also my Def Leppard poster from when I went to go see them in Sheffield in England. So, Now, what year was that? That was '03. It was on the X tour, and it was, it, it was February 03, so when you think that we're not even 18 months removed from 9-11, people were still very hesitant to fly, so flights were so cheap, and I just, on a whim, I was sitting at the radio station one afternoon. I happened to look up British Airways. And it was like 400 bucks round trip to London from JFK. And I lived in uh, the tri-state area at the time, so it was super easy to get to New York. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see Def Leppard in their hometown. So it did. Yeah.
1: What was that like?
0: Um, it was super cool because uh, probably the cherry on everything was that Joe and Phil stayed at the hotel that I was in because Sheffield is a very working class town. And I'm sure, uh, I don't know a tremendous amount, I haven't spent a ton of time like in Europe or, but I know there are like smaller hotels, but being an ugly American, I'm like, I'm gonna stay at the Marriott. (laughs) And I guess that's probably why they stayed there as well. Like it was probably the fanciest hotel. It looked like a castle. And I couldn't figure out how to use the sink. It was a whole weird thing with water. And I'm trying to talk to the front desk guy. And all of a sudden I see this massive looming shape walk in the front door. And the left side of me went numb. I thought I was having a heart attack because it was Joe Elliott. And my mom was with me because she's a big Def Leppard fan. And I was like, I'll take you to England. Let's go. And she's and I start hitting her. And he walks by. And she's like, what, what? That's Joe Elliott. And she looks at me. She goes, are you sure, ma'am? Am I sure? Right. And then about five minutes later, Phil Collin walks in.
1: Did he have a shirt on? So now we're.
0: He did have his shirt on for this, um, and so later on we were going to lunch or something, and Phil was in the lobby with uh, what I ended up finding out was his father. And so then fast forward a couple of years later, I got to talk to him and Joe backstage at a show, and I mentioned, "Yeah, I went to Sheffield to see you guys, and yeah, oh, you actually stayed at my hotel. I saw you in the lobby." And Phil goes, "Well, did you say anything?" no, I wasn't going to bother you. It's already weird <laughs> enough that I followed you across an ocean. And he was like, no, we love fans like you. I wish you'd said something. So lesson learned.
1: Fans like you have contributed to his lifestyle greatly.
0: It's true. And we happened to find a cab driver who was, you know, born, raised Sheffield. So he took us to Steve Clark's grave. He took us to the Whop and Take, even though it didn't really exist anymore, but he took us where it was. He took us to all the plaques that were over Sheffield. So it was pretty, it was a cool thing to get to really immersed in my fangirling for this band in their hometown.
1: Well, what's interesting is, let's, let's talk about your radio show for a second, because you do get to rub elbows with some very well-known people. So for you to fangirl, uh, that, that, that means they really mean something to you. Why don't you tell everybody about your show?
0: Oh, I do, um, too. I have my own show in middays, and it's country music, and it's called Country with Carson. And then in the mornings, I'm on with Big D and Bubba, and we're actually on all over the world because they're on through AFN so you can hear us at ships and sea you can hear us on the space station like the whole thing but you know predominantly around the united states and um, it's funny that when i and i've been all over the dial in you know types of radio but when i was in rock radio and i you know and one of my other obsessions is garth brooks and garth had come out of retirement and so all my rock friends are like you're the country girl well then i go back into country and it's like you're the rock girl dude can't we just say it's all good music yeah like let's just have it
1: we have to put everything in a box
0: that's yeah and i i understand that i'm in country music and country radio but man it, it it's so silly to think that people that are listening to me don't know pour some sugar on me or they don't know uptown funk right of course we all know we all know good music and we it transcends boundaries
1: well where can uh people find you on social media
0: uh, anything, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I have a Snapchat, I don't use it, and I am way too old for TikTok, but all the rest of it, you can find me at Carson on Air, and it's spelled C-A-R-S-E-N.
1: I know, I made the mistake one time of misspelling your name, and our, our mutual friend, Katen, is like, oh, she's going to get mad at you.
0: Oh. <laughs> it, yeah, because I, I, I'm like, as long as you call me, hey you. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I always tell them nobody remembers my name, all they remember is that I have red in my hair, and that's fine by me.
1: So, um... You and I are I think pretty close to being the same age. Um when when did you get into Def Leppard? I got into them when I was like 12 years old when Hysteria came out.
0: Yeah, I was about 10 and it was because my best friend at the time, her older sister was absolutely that bad girl in high school. I mean, she was she was she was bad news, but she was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you always wanted to be like her. And I remember sitting at their house watching MTV for hours and she about lost her mind when Pour Some Sugar on Me came out and I wanted to impress her. So suddenly I'm watching Headbangers Ball and I'm waiting for sugar and then, oh, they did a rock block and here's Hysteria and here's women and here's this video you might remember photograph. Um, And so that's kind of what started me down the rabbit hole of going back into their catalog. So... it it was hysteria that turned me on to them. And then ever since then, it's just been, that's it. Those are my boys. Well, what
1: used to kind of blow my mind was when I got into hysteria, you would see, I would pay attention. You would see, you know, rock of ages and photograph on MTV. And it seemed, first of all, the production quality of those videos was nothing compared to the ones of hysteria. And you know, know, uh, Rick Allen had two arms and uh, you know, um, I guess yeah, Phil was in the band at that point, but Mm -hmm. it you know they were there was such a long period of time between those two albums, back in the eighties that was an eternity. Like you know it was you know you usually was every year and a half to two years you know you put something out. yeah it was you know you tour for nine months take a month off and go back in the studio. So I always thought it was amazing because Power Mania was such a huge album that it was evidently so big that people didn't forget about them. And, and I mean, you know, they went through so much to get Hysteria out. But th- to me, I think it's just, uh, I don't know, it's, it shows how good of a band they are. Because b- back then, that should have been the death nail for them.
0: Well, you got to remember, too, that Hysteria, that you had women and Animal and Hysteria that came out before Sugar. And they were on tour. And they weren't selling out. Right, but They had been booked into these massive arenas. That they might be playing to a half or three-quarter house because even though, yeah, you know, pyromania was this massive juggernaut, it had been so many years, and it really took Pour Some Sugar On Me to throw them back into uh, that, that consciousness of people. Of course, there were folks like, yeah, I'll go see Def Leppard, but... And Sugar is what rocketed it back in and then brought a whole new slew of fans. I mean, honestly, somebody like you, somebody like me, like we were too young right, for the stuff in 83, yeah. um, unless you had like an older sibling or, you know, like my older brother is this super metalhead, and, you know, every Iron Maiden shirt, Motley Crue, but like my brother wasn't a leopard guy. I don't know if it was too soft for him or what, but um Which is funny you know, because that was not the music I was gonna get from him. Which
1: is weird because you they always get thrown in with that first album with being part of the new wave of British heavy metal. And yeah. And it I'm always it always makes me laugh because I mean that's not they're nothing like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden.
0: No. Of course not.
1: <clears throat> but um yeah, so Pyromania was just was huge. I, I know Eddie I've heard Eddie trunk talk about he worked at a record store. And said they wouldn't even put it on the shelf. They would just open the box up, leave it in the middle of the floor, and let people know, go. Yeah, yeah, and and let people let people go. All right. So, are you a fan of all eras of the band?
0: I am. Yeah. Um, we'll probably discuss a little bit more which album or albums there could be multiple mm-hmm. that I think are on the weaker side. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a. I, this is how I tell people. I you can tell I'm a true fan because not everything you do is great. Right. I will tell you I mean, like if Joe Elliott walked into my house now, I don't think I would actually tell him, but I'd like to think that you know, at some point if we, we had a friendship, I could be a little bit more honest and say that wasn't your best work, sir but, uh, you know, I everything that the band has done there might be lows, but there's usually some sort of high to counteract it
1: Well, and I think people, like I've, I've learned from just, you know, the the few people I've kind of gotten to know through doing all this, that people, that they respect it, respect you more if you aren't just, you know, there's there's not a, the Black Crows are my favorite band of all time. By far, they have albums that I'm not a big fan of. I mean, there's, there's yeah. never been a band that I say I love everything. And I think people like Joe Elliott, like, hey, this is a true fan. Their opinion means something to me. You know, I mean, he, it may be a song he likes and you don't like, but I think they appreciate it when people are honest with them and just aren't, you know, trying to blow smoke.
0: Yeah, like, I don't want to be that guy, you know, conversely, you have those folks who are like, that sucked, why'd you do it? I would never be that, especially like to their face, but even on social media, um, you know, on the off chance that somebody in their camp sees it, and not that I'm going to get blacklisted, it's just, you know, I don't want to, I'm, it, basically my rule in life is, I'm not here to make you feel bad, Right. but I also don't want to lie outright about anything. Although, if it was a question of like, Hey, here's your free front row tickets and or you get to hang out on stage all night, but you have to tell me that personal property is a really good song. i am be like, Yeah, it's the best song I've ever heard. No, it's trash, and we all know it is.
1: <laughs> oh boy. So uh I I got a feeling adrenalize may stir up some feelings for you then when we when we get to that.
0: Adrenalize has some highs, but it's got some really low lows. <laughs> well, really what, low.
1: When was the first time you saw them?
0: Uh ninety three. Me so too. it was the seven-day weekend tour.
1: I saw it them in was, February of 93.
0: Okay. I, mine was over the summer. because I grew up in Connecticut, mm-hmm. so they couldn't really do outdoor shows. And my best friend uh, growing up, like, she's still – she and I have seen Leopard a lot together. I've flown to North Carolina to go see the band with her. Um, she lost her mind when she saw me in, like, the Crossroads DVD. Um, like, she she and I are hardcore Leopard fans. And she convinced her very straight-laced, like, super protective parents to take us to the Leopard Show. And it was on uh, a sub-base in Groton because we have uh, the Coast Guard in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And so we go, and it's GA. And, like, I don't – every show I've ever been to has seeds. I don't know what GA is. And I just kind of – and I'm, like, 14 or something. Like, I start worming our way up to the front. Which I don't know if that's bad form or not, but we got within about like six feet of the barrier, and Ugly Kid Joe opened, which was pretty cool. Um, and I don't know if that was that was the opener for you.
1: No, mine was in the round. It was just them.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah, we had Ugly Kid Joe, and then uh, they came out, and we were both losing our minds. And there's some dude standing next to us who obviously is like at least 21 years old because he's drinking. And it's weird because again, we're like 13 or 14 and uh, looking back on it, it may not be the coolest memory, but at the time it was cool. Like he decided that I wasn't close enough to the band. So next thing I know he has squatted down and put me on his shoulders and lifts me up to like be face to face with Joe Elliott. (laughs) So thank you. Questionable, sir. But at the time it was pretty dope.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah my, my my that was actually my first like real rock concert. I was a junior in high school, and it was at the uh, Mid South Coliseum in Memphis. And you can appreciate this, you know, how you just have these like times stamped in your brain. We're driving up there to the show, and um, you went to the same college I did. You know, Rock One Hundred Three out of Memphis was the big you know mm-hmm. rock station. And you know you're a big Poison fan, like I was. You know, back back in the day, like the rest of us. And we were driving up I-55, and Zeke Logan comes on the radio and says, we're about to premiere the new song from Poison with Richie Cotson. You know, and nobody had heard it yet, and it was staying. Yeah. And, like, I loved it. Like, I love Native Tongue. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll fight people over Native Tongue. Like, I think it's – I mean,
0: like, I sent you a link to a Native Tongue shirt yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, totally. but anyway,
1: so, like, on my first concert, I, that's just something I always remember was hearing, you know, Richie Codson's uh, stand with Poison Then, But yeah, when I saw them, they were doing the in the round thing and it was the whole thing where the lights go down and they have the tent over the whole stage and they have the uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, um, from Dirty Harry thing. And it kicked in and it's still one of my favorite concert experiences because for like the first two songs, like I was like levitating. I was like, man, there's definitely effort. They're right there. You know, we had great seats. It's just, that's a great thing about music and especially about music when you're in high school and college and you get, you get to have those experiences and I've seen them a couple of more times since, but I don't think anything's going to top that first time seeing them.
0: Yeah. I've seen them over 50 times now. Wow. Um, Yeah. I mean, well actually like we were talking about the X tour that I went to go see them in England and I saw them 18 times on that tour because it was pretty soon after we'd graduated college and I had like my first, real job and I was like living at home with my parents. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I had was a car payment. otherwise I just had all this money and that was when I discovered ticket scalpers and uh, websites and I was able to get like front row for so many shows and be and being in Connecticut at the time you know I've lived in Nashville now for the better part of 15 years but uh, Connecticut the proximity to Boston to New York City to Philly, to Maine, because they played Maine, they played Rhode Island. It was like I could, there was one week, I think, where I went to four Leopard shows because they played Connecticut, Boston, Maine, and Rhode Island all within a span of seven days. And I was like, I'm going to go to every show. And if I could find great tickets for it, which I spent a lot of money for, um, but I had nothing but disposable income and it was absolutely worth it. So now I don't get to go as much, but there's still, there's been times where I've hit three of their shows in uh, like a 10 day window because they played within a triangle that I could do.
1: The only thing that frustrates me about them now is it's always like a co-headlining tour and yeah. you, you're strictly kind of, you're probably going to get, it's about 12 of the same 15 songs. It's the e- same
0: songs every time. the same order. And I'll tell you, I have this conversation every year with my younger brother who, you know, we're all in a text thread mm-hmm. together because he's also, that's his favorite band too. So he's an easy partner to go traveling with. And there have been times where he's like, I'm not doing it this year. He goes, I don't care about seeing Journey. Um, I, I, and I'm like, oh, if I can get tickets, let's go. And the problem is once you're there and you're in it, It's like, yes, this is my band. It's real easy, though, before the show to be like, are we really driving to Louisville for this? Um, You know, so there actually was, I think the tour, the last tour that they did with Journey, because now there's been two. That's probably, I want to say that's the only tour of theirs I've missed in the last, like, since uh, since, uh, 93. I've gone to every tour, and that was the one year I missed because they were playing the same night Garth Brooks was at the Opry. And so they were at the arena in Nashville. And I... Dude, I had third row for Garth at the Opry. Like, peace.
1: So I was up there. That was one of the first Rockin' Pods. And so you had... Yeah. You had Def Leppard. In, in the same weekend, you had Taylor Swift downtown. You, at the, she was at the, at the stadium. stadium. You had Def it was Le- all the
0: same night. Yeah, yeah she Def, was at the stadium. You had
1: Def Leppard at Bridgestone. Collective Soul was playing somewhere there in town. Because... Not to name drop, but I wound up. Do you know who Pete? Uh, oh, uh, Craig Gass is. The oh comedian? yeah, yeah,
0: the comedian. All yeah. right,
1: so not to name drop or anything, I wound up having dinner with him that Thursday night before. I was with some of the organizers of Rock and Pot, and he was going to be there. And I he wound up just sitting next to me uh, for for dinner that night. And we get and at first I didn't know who he was, and we were just talking, and we were t- and Chris Sinzak was talking about how much was going on in town that weekend, and then he was like. Yeah, I'm friends with some of the guys in Collective Soul. I'm gonna go see them, and I, I know some of the guys in Def Leppard. I may try to get over there. And then he like pulls out his phone, and he's showing me. Apparently, Mike McCready of Pearl Jam is one of his best friends. So he's standing on the side of the stage at like uh, Fenway Park, videoing uh, Pearl Jam playing or whatever. And then I'm like, this is this this is somebody. And then I put two and two together. But yeah, that yeah. was a that was a that was a crazy time. And You probably made the right decision on that one.
0: Well, yeah, because you had again Taylor was a the stadium which Mm -hmm. is right across the river from the amphitheater which that might have been where Collector's Soul was but i know there was a band Mm -hmm. at the amphitheater that night five blocks from the amphitheater is the arena downtown was a disaster and the opry house is further out of town and and it's one of those where people have always asked me like you know it's like def leppard's my number one but like my number two and three are pretty close which are like garth and the stones and it was always like what are you gonna do if it's garth versus def leppard and i'm like I guess we'll find out if it ever happens. But when would that happen? Oh, it happened. But also, Garth did two shows at the Opry, and I had tickets for both. So like, I got two Garth shows out of it. Well,
1: I, I didn't realize you like the Stones that much. Um, de- yeah. Depending on the day of the week, they're my number two or number three favorite band. Um, uh, I just, I cannot get enough of them.
0: Nope. Absolutely and, no, they are. I just got yesterday a Shine a Light T-shirt. Really? Like. Oh my god, like it was just at this antique mall, and I was like, Yes, I don't care what size, it's like a medium, like I make a medium work, it's fine, but yeah, the stones. Um, I mean, that's the music my parents raised me on, and then I just took it to the next level when I was growing up. I remember getting steel wheels on vinyl and wearing that thing out, and then Voodoo Lounge, and that was the first tour I ever saw the stones on, so like. You know, when I say I've been a Stones fan from way back. Well, no, because I wasn't born for the first like 20 years, but uh, because I had parents like that's how my parents actually have. they'll tell you it's it sounds cheesy and romantic, but it's adorable. Like they fell in love in my dad's dorm room. They would put Satanic Majesties on and just listen to it. And that's like how their relationship developed was listening to Stones albums.
1: An odd album to start a relationship over.
0: Yeah, I know, and I go like, and you and I have talked about it. I'm like, I'm not really into like druggy stones, so that is not <laughs> one of my favorites. But everybody else <laughs> in my family loves it. I'm the odd man out.
1: I go deep on the Stones, man. I, I like, I like their deep tracks. are like, uh, like I'm, am I'm a huge fan of Goats Head Soup. Uh, yep. I, I love that album. That's a, and that is a drug album. That's all that mm-hmm. <laughs> album is. And then. Um, there's some stuff on the, the Latter-day stuff. Like There's some stuff on Steel Wheels. I think if they went back and took the 80s shine off of it, people would have a, a lot better uh, appreciation of it. Mm-hmm. And Voodoo Lounge has some good stuff on it.
0: I love Voodoo Lounge. I love Bridges. Bridges, uh, like, I, honestly, Anybody See My Baby is one of my favorite bass groups ever. See?
1: In any song. I, I love it, too. And I talk to other Stones fans and tell them I like that song, and they just look at me like I've got two heads. And I'm like... You
0: know, because it's, okay, it's like Def Leppard fans when they're like, Oh, they haven't done anything good since High and Dry. Okay. Like, it's, yeah. that's why it's always people who want, like, no, they were good when they were old, like the old stuff. Okay, shut up. No, they, whatever. It's all good. Stop. And that's, I don't know. People, like, try to make that into you're real hardcore. If you can dive back with a band, well, you can dive back. Yeah. I can dive back. But that doesn't mean that they're more recent stuff and even talk about, like, Bridges, stuff that's 20 years old. Um, You right. know, that doesn't mean that it's not good. Yeah, I mean, there's
1: some good stuff on Rough Justice. Yeah. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. Um, and like, I was—I think like "Blue and Lonesome" came up on the car the other day, and I'm like, "Tell me this isn't good." Oh, I know. You know what I Like, you know, come on, man. So.
1: So, do you feel like being a—I De- always feel like this, like being a Def Leppard fan. Like, you almost just have to defend that with a lot of people.
0: It's yeah. It's honestly, and it's because they're so successful. That's really what it, when you really boil it down, because. You know, people can try to tell you the music sucks or it's overproduced or it's like it's no, because they had hit after hit after hit after hit. And it's real easy to pick on something successful. And that's why you see people who, you know, make jokes about the stones being old or, you know, sometimes the barbs that are thrown at Garth Brooks or uh, look at a Taylor Swift. Like She writes songs about her ex boyfriends. That's what everybody in music does. They write about. their. Come on, man. It's, it's real easy to take down or to, to fire shots at Goliath because he's not coming down. And he's really, what's he going to do, come back at you? No, you're not worth his time. So that's why Leopard, anytime anyone tries to, like, you know, if they decide that's the hill yeah. they're going to fight me on, that's the hill they're going to die on.
1: <laughs> well, see, I don't consider Def Leppard a hair metal band. I never have. I know most, yeah. most people do. I mean, those first three albums, that's not that's not what you would consider hair metal. That's just good rock and roll. Now, mm-hmm. and and uh, Chris and I have all these arguments all the time because I am a big believer in production value. Like if I'm going to buy something, I need to know somebody tried to make it sound good. And yeah. that mutt laying sound, that's their sound. The mm-hmm. same way Iron Maiden has that galloping sound on a lot of stuff. Yep. You know, that's that's their thing. Um, And that never has bothered me. I know it just makes people so mad about how polished hysteria is, and I'm like, hysteria sounds like it was recorded last night. Yeah, you know, and that to be able to do,
0: yeah, the meticulous attention to detail. I don't know why that's a bad thing, right? So again, and if that's what you're picking on, is that the album sounds too good? Yeah, okay. You know, great argument right there.
1: I know, it's probably, you know, they're probably going to listen to Fugazi or something like that, you know, just sound, <laughs> you know, it's recorded on like a cassette or something. Yeah. Um, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our top 10, and we do not know each other's top 10. This could be a train wreck, or it could be, nah. like the, it could be like the summer of love. Everybody's just happy. <laughs> all right, so uh, what, what we're going to do is Carson is going to, we're just going to alternate, and since she's yep. the guest, she's going to go first with her number 10.
0: My number 10 is off Retroactive, which is a lot of uh, things that maybe didn't make other albums or they were B-sides of singles, but mine is Fractured Love from Retroactive.
1: Very good. Very good. My my heart almost stopped when you said your number 10 was from Retroactive because my number 10 is from Retroactive. So tell me about Fractured Love, why you like it so much.
0: Uh, Fractured Love is just, you know, Joe's vocals, the layering of the production, it's it's just overall a great song that gets stuck in your head. And there's a lot, like when you get it, like when Desert Song rolls into Fractured Love on Retroactive, like it's a great seven minutes. And frankly, it's almost weird to separate the two songs because of the flow, but technically they are two different songs. So I picked Fractured Love because it's, uh, I think the, When I say better, I mean it's like chocolate cake versus chocolate cake plus whipped cream. Right. It's it's just um, it's just a song that's always stuck with me. I like it when Leopard is a little bit darker. I like when they feel a little bit deeper, and I think "Fractured Love" is a really good example of that.
1: That is one of the better B-side, unreleased album, uh, unreleased track albums I think of all time.
0: Oh my gosh, there's there's like one or two duds on mm-hmm. retro but uh, it's pretty much a spectacular album
1: and what i like is like you have the uh acoustic and um electric versions of like two steps behind and miss you in a yeah. heartbeat and then i think there's even like a piano version of miss you in a heartbeat all right my number 10 is off that album it's uh a song called she's too tough um you don't like it do really? you? really i love it
0: i love it i know th- I, and- I look i'm not here to judge your taste. And it's so funny because that is a song that like I I remember years ago, my younger brother and I emailing back and forth at work and we will write it out as in she with like a million E's (laughs) and then two with a million O's tough. And so it's not that it's bad. It's just such a funny song for you to mention, because that's specifically one that's in my like memory of my younger brother and i just sending song lyrics back and forth <laughs>
1: well i like it because i think it was from the uh adrenalized sessions mm-hmm. um but to me now the the course uh, i like i like it when joe sings she's too tough i like it when he sings in that register which i mean there's yeah. no way he could hit that now i mean they would have to they would have to really you know tune down uh, I'll give you the part that they sing after uh, "She's Too Tough" sounds kind of kind of cheesy at times, but I love that that opening riff and the kind of like straight ahead. Dry. It, to me, it sounds like it could have been on Pyromania. It's just a straight mm-hmm. ahead rock song, and it is not as polished as other things that we would hear coming out of that time. And that was one when, when I got retroactive. I remember. I think somebody even laughed at me when I bought it when it came out. I think I was like a junior, senior in high school. I'm like, why are you listening to that? I'm like, dude, I love Def Leppard. So that's one on there I've always liked. Um, I, I, one of the songs I had to cut was the electric version of Two Steps Behind. I yeah. Had, I had to leave that one. But yeah, Retroactive was a uh, was a really, really solid album for them.
0: Yeah, uh, I agreed. And I that's one of my top favorite albums from them. Uh, also, one of my top favorite albums, going into my number nine, mm-hmm. Slang. I love the album Slang, and my number nine favorite song from them is "Deliver Me." Really? Yep. It's it it's angry, it's crunchy, and I it it's it's different than obviously Slang is a different Def Leppard than what we've ever heard, and I it's interesting to go into fan forums now that Slang doesn't get. Um, The Brunt of the Hate the way Sparkle Lounge does which also Sparkle Lounge is a great album but uh, Slang was a tougher pill for people to swallow at the time and yet like that's one of there's, there's one song on there that I think is just ugh, everything else I mean Slang every song on that album could be inserted into a top 20 for me it can absolutely what
1: song is it that you hate?
0: oh uh, god breathe a sigh
1: really? Yep. See, I think that album is so kind of misunderstood, especially at the time that it came out. Like, I, like, and you know, you've seen our text or whatever, group text, whatever. It drives I think Katen crazy. But like, I love it when those bands from that era decided to do something different from just like. Warrant when they decided to move on from Cherry Potter. Dog Eat Dog's my favorite Warrant album. Yep. If that if that album does not have the name Warrant on it and has another name, it sells millions of copies. Yep. I mean it's a phenomenal album. Janie Lane, I think is one of the greatest songwriters of the last, you know, thirty years.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: Same thing like I loved it when Poison did Native Tongue. You mm-hmm. know? It actually you know, I, now a lot of that, probably eighty percent of that was Richie Cotson, uh, let's be honest, you know, with with writing the music or whatever. But I like I love Subhuman Race by Skid Row. A lot of people hate it. Me I know the, too. I know, I I know you know people, under the skin. Yeah, I mean it's, like. it's amazing. So I liked it when bands step out of their comfort zone. Does it always work? No, but you have to at least give them credit. And Def Leppard went as far away from their comfort zone as they could. On this, went mm-hmm. back to the acoustic drums. Um, you had you know they tuned down some. Uh, the lyrics were much you know much more serious. Than yeah. you know, adrenalized. like you said, personal property to, you know, Pearls of Euphoria and, you know, and, and yep. stuff like that. Um, I had to cut, I had to cut a song off there. If, if I don't mention, I love Work It Out. Um, okay.
0: I was just about to tell you about Work It Out because I got to do an interview with Vivian back when uh, Sparkle Lounge came out. And I just, and look, when I talk to artists who I'm a fan of, I tell them up front, like, I am a huge fan that you are getting a fangirl in an interview right now. I'm not going to sit here and try to be cool. And he loved it. And so one of the things I talked about was work it out and how much I love that song. It does not make my top 10, but it's again, you're asking me to whittle down like all my favorite children. So we're talking about work It Out" And I go like, yeah, dude, that song. And I just kind of gushed about it. And he was like, can I have your phone number so (laughs) I can call you anytime I need to pick me up? And it's, I think they there is a lot of pride in that album for them, and because they did get to flex those songwriting muscles, especially Vivian. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's really got a good—that's a good chest beater for him.
1: Yeah, and I love on "Work It Out" when it when it goes into the chorus. It just has a cool groove and flow to it. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I that one that I think was the first single from that one that came out. Yes, um, yeah, it was. All right, my number nine. There's two versions of the song, and I'm going with the version that was on the deluxe edition of Hysteria, and that's Tear It Down. Um, I love this song. They played it on MTV or whatever way, way before it ever came out. The version on Adrenalize, I do think, is too overproduced, and it loses mm-hmm. some of the rawness of it. But this is just a great rock and roll pedal to the metal song, and Joe Elliott kills it on the course.
0: Oh, it's so... I mean, that's probably like if we had done Top 12. <laughs> it would have been in there for me because "Tear It Down" is spectacular. Which is your and favorite version? The VMA performance, um, no, the redone one. Um, because even like you said, when they did it the VMAs, <laughs> that um, I know if it was like '90 or something, whatever that was. Joe Elliott's got the super long hair, but even that to come out and do a song that was not known, like when you think about that, when you watch the VMAs, even you know when you go back and. Like people are playing their hits. Mm-hmm. They are not trying untested music. And for Leopard to be like, Yeah, we're just gonna come out and play the song, that's huge. And to have that kind of faith in the song. And the audience was loving it because it is just a straight ahead great rock song with Joe really hitting some cool vocals.
1: I love it when bands do that. The Black Crows, when they were on Saturday Night Live, they played a song called nonfiction. They hadn't even recorded it yet. Yeah. it was just something and, and so I mean I I love it when, when people, you know, have the have the guts to do something. All right, what's your number eight?
0: My number eight is the title track off hysteria. I hysteria, the older I get, the more and more I love it. It's not that I didn't like it when I was younger, but I appreciate um I'm really it's so weird. Like I don't understand a lot of lyrics. Like I mishear lyrics very, very often. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know half of what I'm singing to most of the time. But I found that songs that are a little older finally I can kind of figure them out. But I am uh, I, I do listen for vocals and like Joe's delivery gets very sexy in the second verse and just the way the song ends, um, and that's instrumental, you know, that's not necessarily a vocal thing, but it's very um it's just, it's not even that it puts you in a happy place. It's a serene song. And I, it, it takes you through that gamut of like Joe being super sexy, but then there is, there's the wanting in it, obviously. Like, you know, that's what the song's about. But it just, I like the the way it progresses. And I think it takes you on a journey that still feels, doesn't matter how much you know the song inside and out, it's still fresh now.
1: Are we about to get in the weeds. About okay. to get deep in the weeds. I cut this for the reason that I wanted to try to limit how many songs were off hysteria, uh, off the album. Um, I I left it as an honorable mention. I agree with you; it is a tremendous song. Now, I love the versions, the live versions that were on, like the uh, the show they did in Denver, the "In Around in Your Face" video or whatever. Where they start with just Savage playing that bass, and then the band yeah. cuts into that part that's not even on the album. Where I guess at the time it was Steve and Phil, and they're just playing this like harmonic back and forth to one another, and then it kicks in the song. Absolutely love that. Um, I agree with you. It's it's one of their it's one of their better songs, and it's so good live. I don't like it as much so live good. the way they play it now. How they just cut straight into it, and there's not that bass intro, but yeah um now i do love the uh the dueling not dueling that when they're both playing the solo at the end together and you know back in the day they would kind of both step forward at the same time you know that they played it um and it's it's a ballad that even if you're like one of these like i have no problem with ballads but there's a lot of you know a lot of guys don't like the ballads that's a ballad you can get behind uh yeah you know if you're if you're a guy um And this was—wasn't this one of the last songs they recorded for the album, or was Uh, it? Or was it "Pour Some Sugar on Me"?
0: Sugar was the last. Okay, sugar was done in two weeks, and that was they—they were done, and then all of a sudden, sugar popped up. Uh, So I don't know where Hysteria was on the recording process, but
1: it's. Did I hear you correctly that you were at the Def Leppard Taylor Swift crossroads?
0: I was.
1: So, did you like the version of Hysteria they did?
0: Um, I mean. Here's the Here's like the blessing and the curse of it Is that like hey I am like you can see me on the video Because I'm like right there in the front And I'm singing along and Um Uh The problem is I had Taylor Swift in it And I don't necessarily hate Taylor but like I don't need you On my Def Leppard stuff I mean I do because it's Crossroads but um I mean it was I go look it's fine but it's not something I choose to plug in Regularly yeah um so, but I can tell you a fun story about the Crossroads taping okay. is that it's, uh, Joe Elliott is singing photograph and he goes into the second verse and I realized Joe Elliott and I are singing different, different words <laughs> and they finished the song then all of a sudden they're like, uh, oh, guys, we got to redo that. We got to retake that. They blamed it on the lighting. They blamed it on the camera. I was like, no, Joe got the words wrong. Because, like, I don't want to say that I know Def Leppard's music better than Def Leppard, but, like, Joe, honey, you were singing the wrong words. So they actually had to do a retake of Photograph.
1: Uh, I've heard that a lot A lot of those, like, shows like that and, like, MTV Unplugged or whatever, sometimes it's three and four takes. To me, that would be kind of dis- disheartening if I was in the crowd, you know, uh, because I would be like, eh, I mean, just let it go. I mean, the imperfections are, are to me are great about live music, but I guess if it's yeah. something that you're putting on TV, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be perfect. Right. Right. All right, my number 8 may be it may be scandalous. It's uh off the last album. It's a song called Dangerous. Okay. Um, absolutely love it. I to me it no, the lyrics are, you know, we break up to make up. I mean, the li- yeah. it, this is not Bob Dylan. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But it's, to me, it's just a very fun song. I love the chorus, you know, uh, Dangerous, I'm Addicted to Your Poison. I love the mm-hmm. intro of it, the way the drum beat is a little bit off, and then uh, I guess it's probably Vivian starts off, and then Phil Collins comes in after him. I thought this album had some really good songs on it. Um,
0: Conversely, I think it is the worst album they have ever done. Really? i I think it is so monotonous. I think every song sounds exactly the same. I made a list of honorable mentions for you. Uh-huh. If an album, if if the song, for with my top 10 songs, if an album is not represented, I was like, okay, well, in case you wanted to know, like, oh, here's an album I didn't pick a song from, but here's what I would say my favorite song is from there. The self-titled album, it's, it's a struggle. There are maybe like a song and a half that I can find <sighs> perhaps passable, but it's just... I feel every song is exactly the same. There's nothing distinguishing, and and I'll tell you again, people on my Def Leopard forums think it's spectacular. It's I I don't hear anything that really makes me stand up and go like, yes, play this live. No. See,
1: I loved "Let's Go," also known as "Pour Some Sugar on Me" Part Two.
0: It's um, <laughs> it uh, I, like I like. Let's go, except for the go. Oh, 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 oh. like, do you really want to do this now? Like that stuck in my head. I remember when they released it and (coughs) I was programming a rock station and I get the email. Here's Def Leppard's new single. And I put the headphones on and I'm sitting on a couch in my office and I am like, and I played it through twice. And I'm like, yes, new Def Leppard. And then the more I listen to it, I'm like, it's all right. (laughs) okay uh you know what no like it's just i i I don't know man i like man enough was probably oh see i think that's a horrible song and see i got like uh, there is lyrically a few things in there that i liked but again it's not one that i would ever choose to put on and that's how i feel about that entire album
1: see i don't like sparkle lounge
0: oh my god
1: i think sparkle lounge is a triumph that's the one that's the one that's the one that I just uh, can't listen to so right, I love what, it what's your number seven song
0: my number seven takes it way 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 back to the beginning to on through the night it's wasted really? that opening riff is just everything about that song is uh, like it's fun but it's like also the flip side of like yeah wasted it's it's the meaning of the song wasted it's not just about you know your state of mind after drugs or drinking it's like my life where's it going i mean that to me is encapsulating these five guys who wanted to get the hell out of sheffield
1: right yeah it's very very primal that album is very raw
0: yes Um, i love that album so much
1: do you think it's funny that on through the night is not on the album on through the night
0: I know, I love that about them. I think that's hysterical.
1: Kind of like Led Zeppelin in Houses of the Holy...
0: (laughs) Right, you know. I saw... uh, The first time I heard them play Wasted live, I went to go see them in San Francisco. And it was... It's the end of the show, and this sometimes happens, that if they're really feeling the vibe of a crowd, they'll stay for one more song. And it was wasted. And I lost my mind. I was like, oh, my God, they're playing Wasted. And and I've heard it subsequently since, thankfully. I've been very fortunate. But, God, I love that song.
1: All right, so my number seven is my favorite song off Adrenalize, and that Mm -hmm. is White Lightning. About Steve Clark, for the most part. Um, This is probably, in Def Leppard's career, this was probably the first really serious song they had released, I think that was this serious. Um, I read somewhere about how many, t- how many vocal takes are layered on the course. Um, mm. But I was lucky enough to get to see them play this. They played this on that tour, that first show, which this is not something that, yeah. this is something they just meant maybe once in a decade gets broken yeah, out. Yeah, don't really touch. Uh, and like that I th- is
0: absolutely my favorite song off Adrenalized, hands down.
1: Well, and I feel like it's personal. Um, mm-hmm. and you, oh, sure. You, you wonder if that, because, Hardcore people, hardcore fans love this song. You wonder if it's so personal that maybe why they don't play it as much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's by far my favorite song off but that. But even
0: without the, in how I take it is, even without the personal connection to it, that it's still so good. Yeah. That you're right, that it's great that a song that uh, just wonderfully done does have that meaning behind it but it's just it's such a solid song
1: and it sticks out like such a sore thumb on that album
0: on that because i mean you know
1: like you said you know you have make love like a man personal property i want to touch you and then we have heaven
0: is heaven is is literally an answering machine message (laughs) okay like you know come on man what what are we doing i get it you went through some shit but man that's just
1: and let's get rocked i i can't i just i can't handle that song anymore
0: it's like, I still love it because when they open a show that way, which doesn't happen a ton, but when they do, it's like,
1: yes.
0: And I love make love like a man. Cause like Joe, like when I've been front row and he's sang that, like he'll sing it to me. So I have like my <laughs> personal memories for that, but I'm not going to tell you it's the most solid song. It's just that there are songs that like, you know, if I have those memories from live shows, I go, yeah, that's pretty great. Even though the song may not be great. All right. What's your number six? Okay. Check it in on hysteria again. Run riot. The beginning of that song gets me going. It's in my workout playlist. Uh, that was one of the reasons that I flew to Vegas to go see them do uh, the Hysteria residency because I was going to get to hear Run Riot live. That because that's a guarantee. You're doing the album top to bottom. Cool. I want to hear Run Riot. It's just, I mean, it's it, even on. It's so weird to look at an album like Hysteria with packed with hit after hit after hit and such great songs that there's one that somehow wasn't a single and yet it stands out as among the best songs on that album
1: that to me it and don't shoot shotgun like i'm not the biggest fan of like the the overall songs on those but those courses on don't shoot shotgun and run riot are so so memorable and i mean They really, if, uh, did did he have a hard time hitting those, hitting that course?
0: No, he, um, I think they kind of, I think Phil helps a little bit, but also I know he was working with a vocal coach specifically for that kind of stuff, because the problem is they played it in order. Mm -hmm. And I think Run Right is like track 10 or something. Yeah. And, um, but I also know that Joe talks a lot about being in Vegas, did a lot positive for his voice because they weren't it's they're not uh moving every day that they basically got to live there they were stationary and he felt that really helped with his vocals for things like run riot i mean because even like don't shoot shotgun coming out like run, bun, bun, like <laughs> right in opening it um it's rough but he he did i think he did fairly well with them
1: all right my number six is off euphoria it's a song called promises and, hmm. uh, this song, this album was kind of basically them listening to their fans. Like, first of all, we need the IA ending, uh, on an album, uh, like Pyromania and Hysteria. Yep. And we need you guys to go back to being a little more lighthearted. Uh, now this one, this album does have some, some, um, more serious songs on it, but Promises I thought was a great lead single. It's a throwback yep. song. Uh, that opening riff is just, uh, uh, it's just, it's just like candy. It's so sweet. They played it on that uh, Viva La Hysteria when they came out as what, Dead Flatbird or whatever um, yep. beforehand. And uh, this one gets a lot of love from a lot of people. And I just think it's a, I think it's a fun one to listen to.
0: It's like my mom's favorite Def Leppard song. <laughs> she loves Promises. Summit. And like Joe hitting that note at the end, oof, that is a note. Like for him to hit that, God bless. And that's probably why he did it as Dead Flatbird because it was at the beginning of the show. Which also, that dead flatbird thing was the greatest effing thing they've ever done. Yeah. That, not that I didn't love seeing Viva Hysteria, but like them coming out and then some of the random things, they like Ride into the Sun. Right. Like, and there are people stand like I went with girlfriends of mine to a couple of the shows and they don't know anything. And I am like having a meltdown that I am so excited with what they're playing. Well,
1: and Phil Collin had to learn a bunch of songs that he never even played on.
0: Right. I mean, Vivian, too. Like, yeah. you know, take it back. Like, hey, you want to play something off like the EP? Like, what? We had an EP? Yeah. So, mm-hmm.
1: All right. What's your number five?
0: Number five is also off On Through the Night, and it's the lead off song that introduces us to Def Leppard. It's Rock Brigade. That you've got the uh, thundering drums that are literally a rock brigade. They're coming to your town, and that song never gets old to me. I. It's it's just it is quintessential Deaf Leopard for me. Um, and I think it really is just such a great embellishing, um, like establishing song for them that this is this is where we're going, this is the band that's here, and this is what you're getting.
1: It's young guys that have something to prove for sure.
0: Yep. Uh, and when when I've heard that live again, like Dead Flatbird, it's like, yeah. They opened the second leg of the X tour in Pittsburgh with it. And I was going to see them the next night in Cleveland. They did not play in Cleveland. Oh,
1: that, that, so, yeah. yeah. That one so doesn't get three pl-
0: more years.
1: Yeah. That one doesn't get pulled out a whole lot anymore.
0: No, that's, that's a dead flatbird basically. But yeah, it's, I love rock brigade so much.
1: All right. My number five is also is off hysteria and it's love and affection. Um, for some reason I've always had a soft spot for this song. I think it has something to do with like the groove of it. To me, it just, it has yeah. this cool groove to it. And I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they did a show at Donington before Hysteria came out, and nobody had heard from them in four or five years. And you know, Rick Allen now has one arm. I believe this is one of the songs they played before it had before anybody else had ever heard it. Um, mm-hmm. I do love like the live version on like the uh, Hysteria Deluxe Edition. It sped up a little bit. Um, and it's a little bit faster Um, I thought it was a great way to close that album out Um, you know they tried to make every song the the intent was to make every song a single like Michael Jackson's Thriller when they recorded it Yeah, Um, yeah, this one doesn't get played a whole lot they obviously played it when they do Hysteria all the way through Um, it's just one of those weird ones that a lot of people are just kind of meh on but for whatever reason it's always resonated with me
0: it's an interesting way to end an album too that it does kind of let you come down off the album and not in a bad way that's that's not uh taking away from it it's that it does (coughs) kind of take you on the journey i what i love about that song is the great like you know people who think like def leppard writes all these romantic songs uh, no they don't oh my god like if you actually are listening to these lyrics like I you know, I, I don't need that. Right. Um you like stand up, kick love and emotion. Like that's not these aren't these aren't really love songs. Deaf love are just looking to get laid. Right. Um and it's it's I love that that when people actually instead of just singing along, if you actually think about so many of their lyrics, like this is not the squeaky cleaky, clean band that you're looking for here.
1: No, it always cracks me up you'll hear like people of, of like an much old like my grandparents' generation or whatever say something like With the music today, it's just not wholesome like Conway Tweety. Have you ever listened to Conway Tweety lyrics? Oh, my
0: God. Right? like. I mean, it's... I see the want to in your eyes. Excuse me? Yeah. Like, I know you've got somebody else, but I could see... You want... I'm sorry. What do I want, Conway? Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those ones where, you know, listen to the lyrics. It's not what you think it is. Nope. Mm -hmm. So what's your number four?
0: Number four, this song always gets me going and it makes sense because it's what got everybody going during the In the Round tour, Stage Fright off Pyromania. I love Stage Fright. It was, I used to listen to it. uh, I would take the train back and forth from New York City when I was working at NBC and I would have Pyromania and my little disc man and I would sleep on the train and whenever I heard the clapping, the rhythmic clapping and then welcome to my show, it woke me up. Because it's just such a great energetic song.
1: I love it. I agree it's with you. So great. It's uh And I know
0: there's a lot of people who say like that's nowhere near the strongest song on Pyromania. Don't care. No, it's, it's, it's my favorite song off that album.
1: It's a it's a it's a great it's a great way to open a show. You're right. I, that, mm-hmm. On that Hysteria tour, that is how they opened it up. Um yeah, I, I can't argue with that pick at all. All right. My number four is the opening track off High and Dry, Let It Go. I think this is one of the all-time great opening songs of an album, let alone a Def Leppard album. This is rock and roll to the T by The Numbers. Um, that opening guitar riff, to me, is just is awesome. And the last time that I saw them, they played this, which they're starting to play this a little bit more. Yeah, they um, are.
0: They're starting to put it out there.
1: I think it was song number two. Um, mm-hmm. When I saw them, High and Dry is just a great rock and roll album. Uh, you know, and a lot there's a lot of people that say you know after High and Dry things really changed. You know, like you said, people I'm not a fan of anything post right, High right, and right. Dry. You know, but yep. uh, it is a it is a really really solid just rock and roll album. And the my timeline on this is was it Phil Collin didn't come in until they were recording Pyromania, right? So he's right. not on this at all. Right. Okay. So what was the other guy's name? There's a guitar. Was it Pete? Uh, Pete Willis. Pete, Pete Willis. Yeah. Pete Willis and, and Steve Clark uh, do this. I'm assuming this was probably Steve Clark that came up with the, that opening riff, um, which we haven't talked anything uh, very much about him. He was such an amazing guitar player and he and Phil Collins were such good compliments to one another because yeah. Steve was kind of sloppy in a good way, you know, played with a little more yeah. feel and Phil is more of a technical player. Um which I thought they played off each other really well. But yeah, High and Dry uh, is just a solid, solid rocker. And I think th- this is the first w- time one of us has had a song off that album.
0: Yeah, High and Dry, no song off High and Dry makes my top 10. Really? Um, no, because I, again, it's such a solid, I mean, just packed album. But in terms of a song that sticks out to me, not that I don't have my favorites, it's just um, not if I was putting together a set list of, Hey, Def Leppard's playing in your backyard and you get to pick the top 10 songs. Nothing from high and dry would, would make it into that.
1: Interesting. Interesting. That's going to be controversial when people hear that.
0: Yep. 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 All
1: right. What's your number three?
0: Number three is uh, from slang slang. I, uh, this is a song that I cannot get enough of. I used to put it on repeat when you could have like your CD player in your car and you put like, it was just track three over and over and over and over. Like slang is, Slang is my jam. And I, I'm i sure part of the reason I'm partial to it is because of a story I have associated with it. But again, I loved the song before the story happened. So I mentioned that uh, I saw Leopard in 03 in Cleveland and I had front row tickets to the show. And uh, my grandparents lived in Pittsburgh, which is how I got to Cleveland. Like I had a place to stay. So they, this 2003, that was the reason the X tour was cool was because they were somewhat smaller arenas. They were playing like hockey arenas and they really did mix up the set list. You never really knew they played the standard hits, but then you got kind of weird things, uh, that they would throw in from time to time. And slang was one of those. And Joe Elliott must've noticed this little early twenties. Like, I don't know. I was like 22 at the time or something. um, who knew every word to every song that he's singing and he goes into slang and I'm singing every word to slang and like nobody else in that arena, save my brother sitting next to me. Nobody else in that arena is singing every word to slang. Right. So Joe Elite gets down in front of me and sings the entire second verse with me. Wow. And it was just like, and then Vivian hands me a pick and it was very cool. And uh, like, it was a great show and it was so much fun as a fan, but the reason it could be like, oh, well, you love that song because Joe Elliott sang it to you. No, the reason Joe Elliott sang it to me is because I love that song and I knew already knew every word. Right. Because it's such a highlight on that album for me. That's already such a strong album. But Slang is the groove, the funk, the jam to it. I think it really stands out that we haven't heard anything from them previously on their catalog that has that feel.
1: No, it had that kind of funky funky groove Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing else like that. I I applaud them for, like I said, for trying something new. And, uh, that album was full of of surprises. Um, let's see my number three. Uh, I I can't talk about Def Leppard and not talk about photograph. Um, I love this song. Um, Mm -hmm. like you pour some sugar on me. is not in my top 10. If I never hear it again, I'm fine. Photograph. I know it's one of their biggest hits and people are tired of hearing it. It always closes the shows out along with rock of ages but this is just a great rock song, and it's just a fun song, and it gets the crowd going, and it's a massive, massive hit for them.
0: There's a reason that it's played over and over, because it tests well for classic rock stations. That you can tell me, like, oh, I want to hear Def Leppard play the obscure stuff, except you still lose your mind when they play Photograph. Yeah. So calm it down. Which, that actually leads into my number two, mm-hmm. Pour Some Sugar on Me. Really? That is the song that brought me to the party. That is the best four minutes and 23 seconds in rock and roll. I used to say that every time I played it. I still say it there. Is, I cannot think of another song. And I'm really like, I mean, I'm, I'm talking any genre, any, like, I don't know that there's any song that gets me going the way Sugar does, whether it's Step Inside or the In The Round version. Like that that beginning I hear it and it's like, like, dude, they play it at my gym. It's in their workout playlist. For some reason, I will stop my playlist to listen to sugar. And if I'm on the treadmill, I'm like, bitch, this is four minutes and 23 seconds. Start running. You can run, you can do it. And it's that song just, it comes on in my car and I will crank it like I'm a 15 year old and it, this song never gets old and again this is this is the first love that brought me to the greatest love of my life which is this band
1: i'm surprised you i'm, I'm honestly very surprised you had it based on just what your other songs were uh mm-hmm. i'm i'm shocked um now of course like everybody i loved it when it came out uh when it when they play it live i'm not upset it's it's like you said you can say oh i don't want to hear pour some sugar on me but then they play it and you're like yeah this is this this mm-hmm. is a great song um yeah, so I was right. I mean, you're right. It was the last one they recorded. And had that song not been recorded, this album wouldn't have sold 25, 28 million copies.
0: Uh-uh.
1: It'd probably be down into two or three no. million range, you know? Because this was like, what, like the fourth or fifth single that came out?
0: Because uh, you had Women, Hysteria, Animal. I think it was fourth. Yeah,
1: and then you had That's Love Bites right. came out after. Yep. And then
0: was Armageddon. And, and then, then Rocket.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yep. which I, I didn't know. Thing, Mm-hmm. I didn't know this the other day. I was doing some research. They did not play Rocket on the Hysteria tour.
0: Um i I didn't see them on that tour, but it, it you know when you go through and look at those end, old set lists, it kind of makes sense because I don't know that there was ever a plan to release it, except the juggernaut that Sugar just. I mean, because uh, you know, Love Vites was a solid song on its own, but let's be honest. Like you were saying, uh, like Let's Go is Sugar Part Two. To me, Armageddon it is Sugar Part Two. And the video makes it that much more obvious. Uh, so Armageddon, it absolutely got the boost because people still wanted more of sugar and then rocket. It was like, well, screw it. Like just put that song out and it's a lot of fun. And them name checking songs and heroes. Um, but rocket's a hard song to get live because of all the production that has to go into it.
1: Yeah. The, the, so it by the time they, they may re-
0: not have it worked up,
1: well, supposedly they, the touring cycle was over and they were still releasing singles. Yeah. Um,
0: all right. Yeah.
1: My number two is also.
0: Well, I, what was I, what was? I? I was. I had to tell you. I feel like I had to tell you something about sugar, though. Oh, this is the other point I have to make uh-huh. about pour some sugar. On me. I have to uh, before I let you go. It's number two. The other thing about sugar is, it is it spans so much beyond Def Leppard, so much beyond rock, that people will tell you they don't know who Def Leppard is, and then you tell them they're the guys that sing pour some sugar on me. They're like, oh yeah, that song, because strip clubs and that's but it's a hundred percent true and that's why pour some sugar on me like there's always been that battle of like what's the greatest like rock song of the 80s and usually it's like sugar versus living on a prayer and i and Living on a prayer usually comes in number one and i will argue you that more people know sugar that you know rock and pop people know bon jovi they know living on a prayer but when you get into people who are into hip-hop are in rap they know sugar because it's got the rap groove to it so my uh, boys have no. that ubiquitous song to unite us all
1: <laughs> you had to write like an essay on that how Porsche sugar I, I <laughs> my
0: thesis i'm telling you <laughs> all
1: right so my number two is off hysteria is animal uh it's mm-hmm. a song i think it took them the longest to record um i think it was one of the ones where mutt lane just drove them insane with like you said this is one where people don't really listen to the lyrics this is just about lust that's all it is right. um uh, And uh, I love the intro to it. Um, And to me, it's one of the great sing-along songs that they have. And this one, I think, has to be played every show.
0: And this one, it's interesting. Animal is the first Def Leppard video I ever saw, but I didn't know it was Def Leppard. Mm -hmm. Um, There used to be the show on Nickelodeon called Nick Rocks, Mm -hmm. and they would show videos, like, for kids. But, you know, I guess that's how another outlet that... um, bands would use to get their music people and i remember the video came on and i'm what you know like maybe nine ten years old and my younger brother is like six and we're sitting from the tv and i keep going does that guy only have one arm does that guy guy only have one arm and like you could never quite definitively see it and because the video was like a circus theme and stuff that like it wasn't a big deal i think to play it on nickelodeon right and then when for some sugar army came out and i started learning more about the band it was like Oh, this is that band with the guy with one arm. So I have that distinct memory of seeing Animal but not knowing that's what it was.
1: Right. All right. So that leads us to our number one song. And I'm very, very curious as to what your number one song is.
0: Well, it may be the greatest 45 of all time. Pour Some Sugar on Me's B-Side was Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire is my favorite song they've ever done really uh, yep i the the guitars on that the drive it's it's so well put together and you can see that it should have been part of hysteria you can see why it would have fit on that album but what a masterpiece that song is and i've seen them play it once
1: where, where was that
0: It was at the Beacon Theater in New York City. They did three nights during the X-Tour. I had front row every night. And the last night, I had front row center. I had four tickets. It was me, my brother, my mother, and a friend of mine from Connecticut who we just met. um, It's going back, but there were like two clubs in Connecticut, Toad's Place, which is pretty legendary, but then also the Webster And there was a group of, like, rock people that would be at every show, whether it was Dio or Beautiful Creatures was at the time, or you had, uh, like, Wasp. And there was a group of about 40 to 50 of us that would be at every show. And there was one dude who had, like, the black curly hair and the cowboy hat. He just looked like, I mean, like, this guy could have been on MTV in, like, 89. And I always thought he was the leader. He was the cool guy. Well, for some reason, he starts talking to me. And I mean, I'm young. Like I am among the youngest people going there. And it turns out he's this rabid Def Leppard fan. And so I saw him at a show. Honestly, I think like three nights before the Beacon stuff started. And he said something. I was like, oh, are you going to New York City this weekend to go see Leopard? He's like, man, I want to go. I can go Saturday night, but I don't have tickets. I'm like, you know what? I got an extra ticket. Why don't you meet me? I don't tell him where the tickets are. So he meets us at the door. He's so excited. Well, he'd been hanging out at the Beacon all day. He meets Rick Allen. He has his little FunSaver camera with him. He got pictures, the whole thing. And so we get our tickets. We go in and we start walking up and we're walking further. And he's like, where are our seats? I'm like, oh, did I not tell you? They're front row center. And dude is losing his mind. And then they open with Ring of Fire. And there is a bootleg of the show that somebody took from like up in the balcony And you can see me, my brother, and this guy, Stan, just headbanging, banging banging on the stage that we cannot believe we are hearing Ring of Fire live. And it's just that it's overall, I I think it's the most spectacular song they've ever put together. I, I, I can't say enough about how much I love this song. Why do you think it got left off an album? I think it's just one of those where it, they didn't have room and hysteria for all the production where people say it's very shellacked which makes you think smooth one note. There's so many different ebbs and flows and textures to hysteria that Run Riot it could have gotten lost with that not Run Riot we We're Fire could have gotten lost with a Run Riot and with a Don't Shoot Shotgun like it it, it I think it's harder than both of those but it's still in that similar vein. And again, with a sugar, um, it, I don't want to say there wasn't room cause you, you could have made room, but, um, I, I think it was in a similar vein that you already had on that record. I don't know, but that would be my overall, uh, interpretation from an audio perspective.
1: Yeah. I always wonder, um, how that one got left off and like riding into the sun. Got left yeah. off. Um, I would not have, I would, you really shocked me on that one. You mm-hmm. really shocked me. I I was going, I was going something off uh, hysteria. Uh, I I thought there may be something else on there. All right, so my number one and you're, um mm-hmm. we're about to tie into it, based on your previous comment. My favorite Def Leppard song of all time is Armageddon. It. Mm, okay. I love it. I love that intro. I love now like how Vivian does does the opening lick. You know joe's i was introducing
0: yeah. in northern ireland weighing in it. yeah
1: yeah my friend vivian campbell or whatever um this is not a serious song at all this is mm-hmm. tongue in cheek uh you know like you said it's this is just sophomore lyrics but uh i love the video which was shot from that live in denver thing which they got a couple of, they got a lot of mileage out of that um, short, yeah. <laughs> Wayne
0: Isham was not playing. He got all the footage.
1: Yeah, he he was like, "We're going to take care of it." Yeah, this one, this one just gets me going when I see him live. It's it's so much to me. It's just so much fun. It's such a big chorus, um, and uh, I don't know. It's I, I I had a hard time like whittling my list down, um, but this one was always going to be my consensus number one.
0: Yeah, it's uh, like Ring of Fire. My usually like my top five are pretty much set in stone. Um, ring of fire is always number one and sugar's always number two. And it's, and I, like I, you and I were messaging back and forth and I go, I always have alternates. I always have stuff waiting in the wings. So, you know, there are things like, you know, look, I don't think the X album is spectacular, but it's got a couple of pretty high moments on it. Um, but is it enough to make it into the top 10? no, not for me, but that doesn't mean there's not good stuff there.
1: Interesting you say that. So I'll give you my my honorable mentions real quick and get your take mm-hmm. on them. Where already talked about one, work it out. Off of 10, four letter word. And, yeah. And Torn to Shreds.
0: Torn to Shreds is far and away the greatest song on that record. Um, it's so, I they played that in Sheffield when I was there and i was like yes like okay
1: i had gods of war on there um yep i love that one i had hysteria i had too late for love um Mm -hmm. i had the electric version of two steps behind
0: i like that better than the acoustic
1: um yeah to me the 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 acoustic i mean obviously it's the same lyrics and it may be even the same vocal take but to me it just sounded a little cheesier than the electric version um and i love i mean you know, I I think it's cool. Every now and then you see them; they'll do like the little acoustic medley of songs or whatever, and that's fine. But this is an electric band.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I like when they come out and they do a little medley on the thrust. Like that's that's great, and it's a nice slowdown, and I I like the intimacy of it. But yeah, like look, dude, I'm a rock girl, and I'm here for the electric. I'm here for the plug in. Um, again, you can strip it down; that's fine, but. When all is said and done, I just really want stuff that's plugged in.
1: So what did you leave on the cutting room floor?
0: Um, Okay, so off Sparkle Lounge, my favorite – I'm not going to tell you it's the best song in there, but my favorite is Come On, Come On that gets me going. I think there's so many highlights on Sparkle, and I know you don't like it, but it's uh, – like even Love, like just God, what a departure. Sav wrote that, and they played that at Crossroads. And I might be on the bonus feature because it wasn't in the initial special, but they had the string set up for it and it was incredible. And so, like, as far as I know, that's the only time that's been played live and I was there for it. Um, The self-titled Let's Go, I will say that if I have to pick a favorite off there, um, Torn to Shreds from X and then White Lightning Adrenalize, we talked about. Now, High and Dry, my favorite off that album is another hit and run. That's a good one. Yeah, that's just, again, another driving song from them. Um, euphoria this is a weird entry my favorite track on euphoria is disintegrate really which is no vocals like that is an instrumental song but part of it is because they used that for so long for their uh hype music Mm -hmm. that they would play disintegrate going into the 2003 tour and then that's what you. That's when you knew your band was coming on stage, and it became Pavlovian that anytime I heard disintegrate, I would start getting really excited. And I'm like, why am I getting so excited to go to work? Oh, because disintegrates on, and I think it, my my mind has has me tricked that a Def Leppard show is starting. It's
1: kind of like uh, Iron Maiden comes out. Was it Doctor Doctor by UFO?
0: Yeah, it's like all right. Here, yeah, it's it's that like get up and go, and you you just get in that mindset of all right, like I know what's coming. Um, and then off, yeah, because I mean, I wasn't going to pick any covers, and I, I don't think any covers, they do beat the list that I've got, but I do love their version of No Matter What, because I think it's it's so, like, throwback Leopard, and I, it's like, I picture that would be Def Leppard if they were the O'Neaters. like, or the Wonders. So <laughs>
1: I, I think, I think, yeah, it has some good stuff on it, like, uh, was it 20th Century Boy? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was, That's that a was... A
0: second from there. And I love Rock On, and, you know, it's just... Uh, Covers, I don't, there are some bands that do covers better than the original band, but for them, it, my thing with Leopard is because I'm such a fan of them, again, obviously my far and away favorite artist band, whatever, Um, I just, I want all their music, I, I want new music, I want originals, uh, there are so many people now who complain that, you you and I were talking earlier about the package tours, mm-hmm. they, you know, if they play with Kiss, they play with Journey, like they did the shows like Poison and Tesla, which Please keep touring with Tesla because that means I get tickets to the show. Um, that's, that's great. That's money I don't have to spend. But people who complain about Live Nation or Ticketmaster offering the VIP packages and if you want to be up front for Def Leopard it's going to cost you $1,000. Like the stadium tour with Motley. Is my phone false? Um, that I go, okay, but the thing is that money, them touring – is keeps interest in them going, and it gives them money, which then propels them to put out new music. Even if it's not something that, uh, you know, five percent of the people at these shows are going to buy, they're going to make it, and that means as a consumer of their new music, yes, keep giving them this money because maybe they'll put out like they they said they've been working on music. Who knows? Maybe they'll work a new <laughs> song into the set list next year when they get out on the road to do the stadium tour and that's what I want is I give me all the Def Leppard music I can get.
1: (coughs) I agree. Yeah. And and, and people complain about the ticket prices to see them. But if you've ever seen them, that's not a cheap show to put on. No. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of money sunk into that stage production. And to me, they sound so good live. Um,
0: They're so tight. And they're so, and granted, if I, the amount of friends that I have that are like, I, to go see Def Leppard with you no you don't I can tell you I am zero fun to be out at a Def Leppard show because I know all the patter I know all the ad libs I know every gesture that Joe Elliott is going to make um I'm sure that gets irritating right but also as much as I can be that bad fan of like yep this is the same thing he does this all the time it doesn't bother me that he does it's they're that practice. They're that rehearse. So it's like going to see Kiss. You are getting this A plus level show every time, and that's not a bad thing. You're getting what you pay for. You're getting the quality versus Motley, who is just sloppy and not in a fun way. No. But hey, if they're gonna tour together, fine. Like they, you know, they... I've got tickets for the show in Nashville, and I'm going with our buddy Caten and I think Motley closes the show and it's going to be me and him and his wife. And then my younger brother's coming in for the show. And here's me and my brother going like, I don't know, dude, we'll probably leave like halfway during Motley's show. what do you mean? We got to stay for the whole thing. Do we know? Like after you've seen Def Leppard, like you come out and watch Motley half acid on stage. Eh, that's not a lot of fun.
1: see, like that's what I tell Chris all the time. I'm like, first of all, if the lead singer of the band can't even have the respect for me to even try to to sing the lyrics and just not sound like a, a pig that's being tortured, you know, <laughs> why should I give you money? And I, and I never was a big... I I, like, I liked the Dr. Feelgood album. I love the John Karabi album. So, I mean, like, I, in my opinion, Leopard should close that show.
0: They should close every single one. Like, I think it was 2012 when uh, Motley and Kiss toured together and even the audience changed because Motley opened those shows. Cause obviously kiss I mean like leopard had to technically open for kiss. Like, um, Motley was sloppy and they, you know, it's like, eh, whatever. Like it's fine. And I hey, have the tickets were free for my radio station. It's Motley, whatever. And then kiss gets ready and starts coming out and the hype begins for them. The audience stood up straighter. Suddenly the audience was cleaner. The audience was at attention. That you watched everybody's posture change, getting ready for this machine, this juggernaut, but again, this entertainment force to come out. I'm like, yeah, that's the difference between a kiss and a Motley, or in this case, a deaf leopard and a Motley. Even poison going on before you're going to poison leopard and then Motley. Like, you know, we've gone back and forth about poison and other threads and stuff, but like Brett is a showman. And Brett is a perfectionist, and Brett is getting everybody hyped up out there. And then you're gonna get Leopard out there with just hitting every note and every line, and e- like, and then you're gonna get Motley, like. Murr, murr. I so, know,
1: like Mick Mars is just, like seventy years old, and you know, God bless him, he's out there trying. I mean, you know, I mean
0: he's yeah, like he he's he's. I mean, you know, Nicky's still you know doing his Nicky thing, and Tommy's fun behind the kit, but like, man, Vince, you could maybe maybe they'll surprise me maybe maybe they'll have gotten it together i'm doubting it um
1: and i don't think i don't think they're necessarily all that live either i think there's a lot there's a lot you know and that's always been a thing that definitely like look we're not we're not singing to a track it's really us Mm -hmm. um and whenever you go see them that that's one of the things that always stands out like they take those vocals so seriously Mm -hmm. um yeah i just uh cannot get enough of, of going to see Def Leppard. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say they're one of my favorite bands. And like Hysteria is a top five album of all time for me. Uh, I'll argue with anybody over that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. So, Hey, this has been a lot of fun.
0: It was a great time. Thank you for inviting me today.
1: Yeah. So uh, I want to thank Carson for, for coming on and Carson on air is the show and you can find her on all the social media platforms and Carson, since you're the guest, what do you want me to play us out with?
0: Um I mean Ring of Fire.
1: Sounds like a winner. Seems so, like
0: the one to go with.
1: Here's her favorite Def Leppard song of all time, Ring of Fire. Take care, everybody.